This podcast is brought to you by BMJ Best Practice. BMJ Best Practice offers evidence-based, continually updated and practical knowledge that will help you make better clinical decisions. Hello and welcome to this BMJ Best Practice podcast on postnatal depression. Kieran Walsh is my name. I'm clinical director at BMJ. Postnatal depression is common. In one US study, the prevalence of a major depressive disorder in the first 12 months after childbirth was about 10%, and it can cause serious complications from impaired bonding with the infant to severe depressive episodes. To tell us about postnatal depression, we have on the line Professor Ian Jones, who is Professor of Psychiatry at Cardiff University. And importantly, Ian is also author of our BMJ Best Practice topic on this disease. So Ian, you're welcome. Let's start off by asking, what exactly is postnatal depression? Well, postnatal depression is an episode of depressive illness occurring after childbirth in that postpartum period. It occurs in perhaps one in 10 or even more women. And importantly, the symptoms of postpartum depression are the same as the symptoms of depression occurring uh, other times in a woman's life. And then the treatments are the same as well. Okay. And um, there's different kind of categories, if you like, within postnatal depression. Tell us a little bit more about those. Well, suppose if we think about mood disorders occurring after childbirth, we tend to think about the baby blues, postpartum depression and postpartum psychosis. Um, So the baby blues are very uh, uh, common, occurring in 50% or more women, and essentially just mood symptoms that occurred in this time in the first few days after having a baby that pass off quickly and don't require any further treatment. Postpartum depression are more significant episodes of mood illness that do require treatment and then the most severe form of uh, postpartum episode are the kind of postpartum psychosis occurring more rarely in something like one in 500, one in a thousand women and have severe psychotic symptoms and there's really a medical emergency. So the important issue with postpartum depression is, is differentiating it from those conditions, but also for other conditions that can occur in the postpartum period, postpartum OCD or anxiety or, or other conditions, because part of the problem we have with postpartum depression is it tends to be a term that's used indiscriminately for all um, psychological symptoms and all psychological episodes at this, this, this time. And really, one of the real challenges for conditions is, is, is making those differential diagnosis from those other conditions that can occur at this time. Okay, thank you. And, and how do you make a diagnosis? And are there any recent advances in diagnosis of this condition? Well, I think one of the things that, if we think about recent advances, is recognizing that there are uh, important other conditions that occur. And I think that's one of the things that's happened in the last uh, decade or more, recognizing that in addition to postpartum, postnatal depression, that actually there are other common conditions that can occur in the postpartum period that need to be differentiated. One of the things that we've, we've found out a lot more about in the last decade or two is that women with bipolar disorder, for example, are at very high risk at this time. So any woman that's having significant mood symptoms in that postpartum period, one of the questions a clinician should ask is, could this be a illness that's better thought of as a bipolar illness? So, so that, I think, is one of the really important uh, issues for, for, for us that we need to face. Okay, thank you. And tell us about 
pitfalls in, in diagnosis? Where can you go wrong in making a diagnosis? One of the, the issues is automatically assuming that any woman that presents with any symptoms at this time, making that, that, that diagnosis of a major depressive episode, because we know that perhaps 50% or even more of women experience that, those brief periods in that first week or so postpartum that's sometimes called the baby blues. So being too quick to give a diagnostic label is probably one of the, one of the pitfalls. And then the other pitfall is missing some of those other conditions. Is this an, an illness that's better thought of, you know, better labeled as a obsessional compulsive disorder? Is this an illness that has a significant bipolar uh, component to it? Is this a mixed episode? Is, you know, those are the, the pitfalls, I think, for, for clinicians at this time. Okay, thank you. And you've mentioned postpartum OCD a couple of times. Tell us about that and why is that important? What we know is that um, uh, is that symptoms of, of sexual compulsive disorder can come on at this time, can be made worse, or can start for the first time. And I think one of the issues that we face is this tendency to label any women who's suffering um, with, with with psychological, psychiatric symptoms at this time as having postnatal depression, whereas you know, a full individualized assessment is really important for that woman and the symptoms that she's had so that we, we make sure that we're, we're treating and dealing with, with the, the disorder that's the best label for that. Okay, and you also mentioned mixed dis disorder. What exactly is mixed disorder? Yeah, so if we think about mood disorder as well as major depression, which we're talking about today, um, we know that, that, that some individuals have episodes of high mood um, uh, episodes of mania or less severe hypomania, or ca women can have episodes where those symptoms of low mood and high mood are all mixed up together and occur in the one episode. And there is evidence that women are more likely to have those kind of mixed episodes in the postpartum period. And, they, and it does, it is a diagnostic problem because they're easily missed and can be labelled as, as depression, whereas actually probably they're better seen, better treated as a form of bipolar illness, which we know is, there's a there's a very highly increased risk of bipolar episodes in that postpartum period. So one of the pitfalls that really does need to be watched out by clinicians is that we're not missing episodes of, that are better thought of as bipolar illness because the treatments that might be more appropriate for, for those illnesses differ. We know that women with bipolar disorder and with bipolar depression don't respond as well to antidepressant treatments, for example, as women with, with, with major depression. So it may be that different medication strategies are needed. And the other pitfall then is, is not recognizing very severe episodes, the episodes of postpartum psychosis, because we know that any new onset of a illness in that immediate perinatal period is a, is, is a red flag in some ways for these severe episodes. And what the confidential inquiries into maternal death have shown us is that um, you know, not only that suicide is a leading cause or the leading cause of maternal death in the, in, in, in the UK, but actually what's often missed is, is those new onsets of, of very severe illness. So there's diagnostic problems at both ends of that spectrum, you know, over uh, diagnosing, over labeling less severe episodes that we that may be best thought of the baby blues that you know we know will pass and don't require any treatment but also missing more severe um, episodes that, you know, that may be better best thought of as postpartum psychosis so it's a tricky time for clinicians certainly dealing with these disorders 
Okay, and, and specifically in mixed disorders, you mentioned being um, having high mood and low mood as part of the same episode. What exactly does that mean? Does that mean you might have a very high mood one day and feel extremely depressed the next, or is that an oversimplification? What? Could be like that, Kieran, or your alternative could even be much quicker than that. So, so women may find their mood to be very labile, to be you know, changing from irritability, from elation to depression, and you know, over a matter of minutes, you know, or. And these symptoms can be all mixed up together. So women can, you know, often in depression, people are very slowed down, have reduced energy and, uh, and tiredness. In a mixed episode, somebody can feel uh, very dysphoric, can feel very sad and in low mood, but can be very energized or, or, or much more active, you know, which would be more simple, sim- typical symptoms of high mood. So by saying mixed episodes, you know, these symptoms really are kind of mixed up together and can occur at the same time. Okay, thank you. And tell us, move, move on to management now. Tell us about recent advances in management. We think about recent developments, perhaps the most interesting uh, and exciting development in the field is that for the you know, first time ever, there's a drug that's uh, been developed now, uh, a treatment for postpartum depression specifically. But if we think about treatments more widely, you know, I think it's a matter of re- recognizing the wide range of severity of episodes that come under this this, this term postpartum depression and, and thinking about making sure that we get the right treatment to the right woman at the right time. And that might be treatment, anything from just monitoring or self-help or, uh, or just general support through psychological therapies and, 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 and CBT would be probably the most evidence-based um, psychological therapy for postpartum depression through to um, for women with moderate to severe uh, postnatal depression through to the use of, of, of medication or antidepressants. The main development, the main task is to make sure that, you know, that women get access to the right level of treatment. And again, that's a matter of really individualizing that assessment, taking account of that particular woman's history of, 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 of illness, the severity of pre- previous episodes, the um, severity of the current episodes and, and getting the right treatment to that woman. Excellent. Perfect. That's that's really helpful. Let's move on to the new drug for this condition. Uh, t- tell us about that. So this is a, a drug that's been developed by a new company in America, and it's a drug called Bexanolone, which is essentially a naturally occurring um, neurosteroid um, that's derived in the brain from progesterone called allopregnanolone. And this is a neurosteroid. We know that acts on GABA pathways. It's GABAergic on, on, uh, and probably acts as a modulator at GABA-A receptors in, in the brain. And what we've seen with uh, some very fascinating papers that have come out in the last few years is that there's evidence that giving this neurosteroid as an infusion so given it IV for 60 hours can result in quite dramatic improvements in women with quite severe postpartum depression. And they published these initial studies with very impressive results, which has led to the drug in the States, in the U.S., being licensed by the FDA this year, and, it, you know, and, and it's been rolled out. There are some issues with it, obviously. One is that it requires... An IV infusion, it requires women to come into hospital to receive this medication. 
And the other is, is, is price. I think the price in the States is around $34,000 for a, a course of treatment. What is interesting, what's exciting, I think, is that this is a is the first drug that's been developed specifically for postpartum depression. And if you know, and if the results continue to be promising, and if the real world findings of, of it, you know, when it begins to be used in practice, are also encouraging, then the other exciting thing for me is, is that it, it raises some real intriguing possibilities about the biology of this condition. Potentially opens up new avenues for for other uh, treatment options to be developed. So I think it's yeah, it's early days, it's early doors, and it's not a medication that's available widely around the world. It's, it's not, not available in the UK as we speak, but um, I think the, the excitement is for a companies to be trying to develop medication specifically for this condition, I think is, re- is really encouraging. So cautious optimism, but I, you know we, we need much more evidence, but I think there's some real uh, potential there, particularly if other formulations of delivering this medication. I know that the company are in development of an oral preparation. And I think that would, you know, obviously would, would make its use much easier. So I think it's, it's, it's an exciting time. Okay. And any particular side effects to watch out for? And can it be used in breastfeeding? It's not licensed in breastfeeding, is my understanding. But when, what we're talking about, you know, with, with bringing into hospital women who would benefit from this, I think, would have you know, reasonably severe episodes of, of depression that it would be, be, be treat, treated in, so that might be a price worth paying. Just on the issue of breastfeeding, I think most of the medications that, that we, we potentially use for, for depression can be used in women who are breastfeeding. The proportion of the medication that gets into the breast milk is, is low for you know, the commonly used SSRI medications, so yeah, it's a certainly antidepressant treatment shouldn't usually be a contraindication for 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 women who want to, to, to breastfeed. Okay, thank you. And and last one on management. Any other pitfalls other than ones than the ones we've mentioned so far? What the competition inquiries have taught us, I think, is that new onset of episodes at this time can be a really kind of red flag of severe illness. And I think one of the pitfalls is not recognising women who are more severely unwell and need admission or need to not go through those other forms of treatment, you know, self-help, general support psychotherapy, but actually need some, some treatment. So I think you know, one of the pitfalls, I think, is not recognising early enough and, and getting those the, the treatment to women who need it and who will benefit from it. Okay, thank you. That's that's great. And And last question, what have we missed? Are there any other common questions or issues or problems uh, about this illness? What women ask me about postpartum depression is, is it unique? Is it different from depression occurring at other times? I think that's a really important question. And I think that comes back to our discussion of Brixanolone. I think one of the great unanswered questions yet about that that treatment approach is, is this just a, a new treatment for depression generally or is there something very specific about postpartum depression that that treatment approach is targeting so i think that's a, a really interesting question that we still need need answers for i think there are questions about what the causes of these illness is is this 
caused by this like big change that occurs when a woman becomes a, a mother, particularly a mother for the first time. Are these psychosocial factors that are important, you know, and we know of, of many psychosocial factors, support of partner, um, lack of social support, you know, stressful events that happen that can increase the risk. But also are there other factors, are there biological factors? We know that genetic factors can play a role for this illness. We know that it's not the whole story, but it's likely that hormonal changes that occur at this time are important, which again kind of leads to the, the, the development of the brexanolone uh, treatment. Is sleep disruption, circadian rhythm disruption is important, or immunological changes? You know, so, so I really think one of the big questions for us going forward, well, why we need more research is to understand better the, that complex combination of factors that lead to women becoming ill so that we can develop better interventions to keep women well. I think one of the really exciting areas of clinical practice and research is working out how better to prevent episodes of illness occurring, but also to, to treat women who, who become unwell at this time. So I think, you know, for me, those are some of the things that motivate me as a clinician, but more importantly, as a, as a researcher, that we need the better information, better understanding in order to do better for the women that we look after. Okay. Thank you very much, Ian, and thanks to you all for listening. We hope that this has been helpful, and we hope you'll be able to put what you've learned into action to better diagnose and manage affected patients. If you want to find out more, click the link in the podcast to sign into BMJ Best Practice and look at the content on this and other illnesses. Thank you once again. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please remember to subscribe and rate us on iTunes.